Amen? He is able. We're going to uh, look to the book of Ephesians today. And Ephesians chapter number 6. Everybody have a handout? Anybody need one? Okay. If we could uh, make sure the recording's going back there for those who aren't able to be. The house of the Lord today is, was mentioned. Let's continue to pray for Tavio and for Brother Lou. Both dealing with some medical issues. But we know that God is able to help them. And we know that God is able to heal. Amen? Even if God doesn't heal when we pray for people, it's not in vain because it, God provides grace. If He doesn't heal us, He provides the grace to get through it. And so, um, don't give up on prayer just because it doesn't look like what you want it to look like. Amen? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12 says, Finally, my brethren, and that includes sistren, generic term there for you guys, as we say it here in the Northwest, or y'all in the South. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This year, this time of year, seems kind of like a rerun from last year. I feel like our church is kind of at the same place we were a year ago. And we're getting ready to enter into another test where we're going to either go to where God wants us to go or we're going to have another year of learning the same lessons. How many want to graduate? I don't like repeating classes. <laughs> I like to graduate and learn something new. I like to make honor roll. Yes, Samaria Noel says she likes to make honor roll. Honor roll is even better. You pass with good grades. So what, what I feel like God is going to do in these next uh, few months is try to bring us to another level of spiritual authority and fruitfulness. But understand that that will not happen without the enemy trying to, as the Bible says, perform his wiles, his crafty things to try to get us distracted and off track. So today it's very important that we pay attention and we take these handouts with us and we put them in our Bible or somewhere where we pray. And over the next few months I'm asking you, please pray that you are putting on the armor of God daily. It's very, very important because we are getting ready to head into another season of battle and I believe we can come out on the other side, but we've got to put on the armor of God. We need to do our part to be ready for the battle that is before us. So today we're going to talk about the armor of God. Because this is a battle we can win. There's no doubt we can win it, but we've got to fight the way that God has ordained us to fight. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Ask Him to touch our hearts today. Ask Him to help me communicate His word in a way that would be pleasing to Him. Lord, we're thankful for the Word of God today. We're thankful for the encouragement that we find in Your Word. We understand that we are facing a battle in this world. We understand that not everything is going to be easy and everything is going to be exactly how we want it to be. But Lord, we are, we are people who refuse to give in and give up. But by the grace of God, we are going to stand against the attempts of the enemy we are going to stand against his, his attempts and desires to destroy us and destroy those that we love and destroy those in this world around us. But instead, we're going to stand and we're going to fight. And we're going to see the victory through the power of the Holy Ghost. We're going to see the victory through the power of your word. We're going to see great signs and wonders and miracles done for the glory of your name. We're going to see many baptized in Jesus' name. Many filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're going to see it happen in this church in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to see it come to pass. 
Not by might nor by power, but by Your Spirit. The gates of hell will not prevail against Your church, God. But we will advance against the enemy. And we will overcome through the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, maybe just praise Him one more time. Just thank Him before you're seated. That God is in control. That God will help us to win. That we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I'm going to do my best to stay on track and get through this a little bit of extra material. If we had to, we could always break it up, but we'll try to get it through it today. The armor of God is very, very important because the Bible does not say that the Christian life is a life lived on a playground. Where you need to learn to swing and do the seesaws the best you can. But it tells us a different story. And I don't say these things to glorify anything negative today. I promise I do not want to be negative in any way. But there is a thing called reality. That we all live in and we can't uh, bubble wrap ourselves and stay inside and hope that we don't break anything or hurt anything. We have the tools that God has given us that we might win this battle. It's the Lord's will that we would win, but we have to, again, we have to surrender to the Lord and do it His way. He wants us to win. He's ordained the church to win. So really, it's just a matter of if we will be a part of the biblical church as God has defined it. If we will be in the church, we will win. If we'll behave like the church, we will win. Because the church is not this building, it's really each and every one of us individually. And us as a collective body. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of our flesh. But they're mighty through God. Everybody say, they're mighty. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are strongholds in this community that need to be pulled down. The enemy has certain strongholds that have people's minds thinking a certain way and thinking that life should be lived a certain way or he has them captive to other devices. And we are the church. We are the ones to pull these things down. We shouldn't wait for the city of Beaverton to produce a police force to pull down spiritual strongholds. I'm thankful they fight the physical fight, but we are to fight the spiritual fight of our city. 1 Timothy 6.12 says to fight the good fight of faith. And there's bumper stickers that say war are not the answer. And I'm not trying to be political today, but war in this sense is the answer. Either you'll get killed or you'll fight. I know that's not positive. I know that doesn't feel like it's a great, great story for you to hear today. But you have a choice. Kill or be killed. And again, this has nothing to do with people, so don't go out there and say something crazy. Take my, my words out of context today. But we are to fight the good fight of faith. We're to lay hold on eternal life. We've got to lay hold of it because there's going to be things that are trying to take it out of our hands. Whereunto thou art also called. The Lord has called you to eternal life and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. The Lord has called you to eternal life, but you have to lay hold of it. You have to grab it. You have to take everything you have and grab hold of eternal life. Because there are many adversaries that would like to take it out of your hands. And ultimately, Jesus Christ controls eternal life. I'm not saying we can earn it, so please, again, don't take my words out of context, but we play a part in salvation. It's provided through Christ alone, but if we don't embrace it, if we don't surrender to it, if we don't lay hold of Jesus Christ, He will not save us. 2 Timothy 2.3 Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You see, I'm not just making this up. I don't want it to be any harder than it has to be. Trust me. But it does say there will be hardness, and when it comes, endure it. Don't give in to it. 
Don't back away from it, but endure it as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul gets to the end of his life and he says, I have fought a good fight. He didn't say I did really good on the slide and the swings. I was really good at recess as a Christian. He said, I fought a good fight. We are going to have to fight to win. We're going to have to strap on the boxing gloves, tie the strings, and fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And again, I'm not being negative today. I believe that God has given us a way to win. There's no doubt if we will win, but we have to be willing to fight. We have to be willing to go to battle for lost souls. Not just for ours, but for others. The Bible says that we have an enemy, and they call him many things. One being Satan, meaning our adversary. He is not in favor of us being saved. He is not our advocate. That is Jesus Christ. He is our adversary who wants to do anything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy. There is, he's called the devil, which means he is the accuser. That's why those little thoughts pop into your head to try to get you to feel ashamed of everything you've done. He comes to accuse you of everything He can accuse you of, even if it's not true. Even if it's not your fault. Even if you never even done it, He's going to come and try to accuse you of it. He's called Belial, which means extremely wicked. He's called Lucifer, which means an angel of light. He's able to try to deceive us sometimes by even appearing as the angel of light. He appears as a counterfeit to God and gives messages to some people and they believe that it's from God, but it's actually from Lucifer. He is the dragon. He is the serpent. He's Beelzebub, the evil one, the tempter, the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air, and the ruler of this world. And he has many tactics he wants to use to try to defeat the church. I'm not, again, glorifying our enemy, but the Bible says not to be ignorant of his devices. We shouldn't be ignorant of what he's trying to do against us. We've got to be on our toes. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be ready because he's going to come and he's going to attack your mind. He's going to shake everything he can shake. He's going to go after the weak lamb in the bunch the one who strays away that's one reason we need to stay together because the wolf looks for the sheep who will stray from the crowd the sheep who gets out by himself we need to stay together because satan comes to accuse to condemn to devour to imprison to ensnare to take advantage and even to steal the word from our hearts. And the good thing is, is Satan is not the equal of God. It's not that it's Satan versus God in this, this eternal grudge match of very equal people like Batman versus Superman. This is not Batman versus Superman where it's a struggle. Satan is a created being. He is someone who is in the total jurisdiction of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can tell him anything at any time and make him leave. He's not all-knowing. And that's why praise is so awesome because inside you may have thoughts of doubt and fear and anxiety and stress and you just can throw your hands up and start praising God and the devil doesn't even know. He has no clue that you're struggling if you're worshiping God and you're praising God and he'll go to someone else because you look like you're not going to be defeated today so he'll try to pick on somebody else. The bully of the schoolyard picks on the weak. The bullies don't go around picking up on those who will punch him back. They go look for someone who's weak and shy and will, will try to just glance away or just hand over their lunch money. So don't be an easy target for the enemy. 
Worship God. Praise God. Rejoice in God. If you're going down the road and you're praising God in your car, He's less likely to attack you. Worship God. Praise God. He has an organized army that is trying to take over this world. The rulers of the darkness of this world, the Bible says. Their principalities, their powers. They have power. They have ability. But it is so much less than Jesus Christ and the body of Christ. And no matter how our circumstance may look on the outside, our battle is not against other human beings. It won't do any good to try to get up and yell at other people who have a different political opinion than you. It does no good. Although it might feel good to your frustration, it won't solve anything. You might feel a lot better after you get off your chest, but it won't solve anything. You're not going to do any good by going downtown and yelling in someone's face who doesn't believe like you do. We need to fight the battle the way the Lord wants us to fight it. The devil seeks to control people and make them oppose the work of God. But we destroy him by praying directly against him. The devil even loves this. And that's again why we have to be so careful in the coming months. And and I'm just telling you as the pastor, I just feel like we are at a rerun of last year and we didn't do very well in the test. I'm speaking about all of us. We let the enemy come in and sow things into our hearts and minds instead of grabbing the promise of God, grabbing the vision of God. He was trying to give us, and he sent multiple messengers. The devil loves religious people who attend church. He uses them on the inside to bring wrong attitudes and actions into the body of Christ. He looks for those that are weak in the body and he tries to sow things within the body because it hurts even worse when it's your own brother and your own sister. And we're not giving up on anybody. Anybody who wants to be here and wants to live for God, I'm not saying you can't make a mistake because I'd have to kick my own self out about every day and ask for my way back every day. So I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but I'm saying resist it. And when you realize it's happening, repent. Repent of it. Get it behind you. Ephesians 4 gives us a formula for unity in the body of Christ. And just praying this prayer yesterday, and this is something I pray for our church. Ephesians 4, and it's going to be on the slides. It's not in your handout because I added it later. But the amplified version says, put on the new self. The regenerated and renewed nature, again, we're putting on armor and we're putting on the new self. We're created in God's image, in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Are we living every day like we're appreciating our salvation? It's hard to be full of unbelief. It's hard to be murmuring and complaining and about this and about that and having a a horrible attitude when we're expressing God's our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, we reject all falsehood, whether it's lying or defrauding or telling half-truths or spreading rumors or any such of these. Speak truth, each one to his neighbor, for we are all parts of one another and we are all parts of the body of Christ. If we're lying to each other, we're lying to ourselves. Because we are all one. When we hurt each other, we're hurting ourselves. Verse 26, be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior. Yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. We've got to resist anger. We've got to be angry, but sin not. Do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge. When you hold a grudge, you're giving the devil an opportunity in your life. You're putting brick and mortar to a stronghold in your heart. Don't nurture anger. Okay, we're going to get angry sometimes, but we don't have to feed the angry man. (laughs) 
We don't have to give ammunition to the angry man. Just sit there and stew and stew and stew, right? We, especially as men, we're prone to this. We th- sit around and we think about what makes us mad and we think about it and we think about it and we think about it. What do you think's going to happen? You're going to get mad. Don't harbor resentment. Don't cultivate bitterness. Don't cultivate the things inside that are causing you bitterness. Don't feed it. Let it die. The thief who came, who has become a believer, must no longer steal. Okay, the, the one who was a thief but became a believer must seek to not steal any longer. But instead he must work hard, making an honest living. Producing that which is good with his own hands, so he will have something to share with those in need. Do not let unwholesome, that means foul or profane or worthless or vulgar words, come out of your mouth. But only such a speech as is good for the building up of others, according to the need and the occasion, so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak it. Again, I'm not acting like I'm always measuring up in these areas. The Word of God is a perfect standard and we don't always hit the mark. But we can't have an excuse either. If we find ourselves falling short, we repent and we apologize both to God and those we've offended. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please Him by whom you were sealed and marked. You are branded as God's own for the day of redemption. God has branded you as His children. He wants you to experience the final deliverance from all the consequences of sin. Therefore, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, all perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, and fault-finding, and slander be put away from you, along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, and malevolence. Malevolence, rather. Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So if you see a brother or sister without their helmet on, as we're going to talk about the armor, don't sit around and talk about them. Pick up their helmet and give it to them. And don't say, ah, oh, looks like you lost your helmet. What have you been doing? I got my helmet on. I don't know what your problem is. But you know what? I forgot to put my helmet on the other day too and it was a bad day so you might want to put this on. Have a right spirit. Have a right attitude. Be kind because as the enemy comes and he tries to sow things in our mind not only is it we need to keep from feeding our own bitterness, our own hurt, our own anger. We don't need to feed someone else's. Your brother and sister may be struggling. They may be having some wounds that they're trying to get over. And if you go there and you deposit more, you're not helping the situation. You need to be the opposite. You need to be a healing salve in their wound. A healing balm, just like Jesus Christ. Be kind, be helpful, tender-hearted, compassionate. Forgive one another. We're going to make each other mad sometimes. It's going to happen. Give each other some grace. Forgive one another readily and freely. Because if you don't, and it doesn't say it in this verse, but it says it elsewhere. If you don't, you will not be forgiven. God will forgive you. The same way you forgive others. So today the bad news is. Is that the devil is a formidable opponent. And we cannot. Everybody say cannot. cannot. We cannot defeat him by our human strength alone. We can't even defeat him with religious resolutions. You know the New Year's resolutions. But we, they're for us as Christians, a lot of times they're morning by morning resolutions. I'm going to do better today. <laughs> I'm going to do better. I know it's, I did, but I'm going to do better. That's good by itself, but it's not in itself going to defeat the enemy. It's good to have a right goal and resolution, but you won't do it by yourself. 
You won't do it by trying harder. Trust me, I've tried. I'm not talking to you as someone who hasn't tried. I try it all the time. And every time the result is the same. I guess I'm just really thick-headed. It does not work. But the good news is, we can defeat Him if we do it God's way. That's why Ephesians, again, it tells us to take on how much of the armor of God? The whole armor of God. We need every piece of armor. We need all of it. We don't need some of it. We need the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for how many of the saints? All saints. Not just the ones you like. Not just the ones who do everything that, that, that is nice to you. But the ones that irritate the tar out of you. The ones that you are so annoyed when you get out from being with them, you just can't stand yourself. You're supposed to pray for them too. I don't care how annoying they are. I don't care how messed up they are. You're supposed to pray for them. If you only pray for people you like, you're not really filled with the love of God. Because even sinners like people they like. The love of God helps us like people that are unlikable. This answer is obvious. Did you get dressed to come to church today? Thankfully, everyone put clothes on to be here today. We understand we need to put clothes on to go out. Most people that are in their right mind anyways. This is a common daily occurrence. We wake up in the morning and if we haven't already chosen clothes the night before, we get up and we select our wardrobe of how we are going to wow the world today. We adorn ourselves and we, we get ourselves ready so that we can be presentable to the world. And if we work, we put on clothes that will help us do our job effectively. Scrubs if you're Brother Ryan. You put your scrubs on and you go to work. you got to have your scrubs on. You don't show up unarmed, so to speak. But you come with the right, proper attire for what you're going to be doing. And every morning we wake up, just as much as we think about the clothes we're going to wear, we need to get into our mind, we need to put on the armor of God today. Because some days are going to be easier than others. Praise God for those great days that are easy and everything goes smooth. But every day is going to have a certain amount of fight in it. And if we aren't doing the will of God, it might be seemingly more easy. But when you're in the will of God, the enemy doesn't like it. And he's going to try to stop it. Why doesn't he stop other people? Because they're not really doing God's perfect will. He doesn't have to worry much about them. You see, we have a different goal in life. We're not just living for ourselves, but we are living to see the kingdom of God advance. Therefore, we have a target on us. Like the Far Side cartoon and the deer named Hal. And this fellow deer says, nice birthmark, Hal. And it's a bullseye right on his side. That's a bummer of a birthmark, Hal. Spiritually, we walk around with a target and a bullseye. So we need the armor of God for both defense and offense. We're not just fight, playing defense here. We have some offense too. We don't want to give any place to the devil as we read already in Ephesians 4.27. That says don't give the devil a chance in the TEV version. The GW version says don't give the devil an opportunity to work. And the NIV says, do not give the devil a foothold. 
Don't even give him a chance. Let him see someone who he doesn't want to mess with. Because they are armed to the teeth with the armor of God. So the first thing we need to put on is the girdle of truth. Yes, I said girdle, even if you're a man. Not that kind of girdle. But if I didn't say something about it, I wouldn't live up to my reputation. (laughs) Satan is a liar. We already understand that. We talk about that. So we need to have the truth. The believer whose life is controlled by truth will defeat the enemy. The enemy has no ammunition when we have truth. The girdle was a belt that held all the other parts of the armor together. It also held the sword. So unless we live the truth, we have no right and we have no confidence to use the word of truth. We have nothing to hold up the Bible if our life isn't living the truth. John 8, says, You're of your father the devil. The lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he's a liar and he's the father of it. You know how to tell when the devil is lying? When his lips are moving. When his lips are moving, he's lying because he doesn't know how to tell the truth. But John 8.32 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth will set us free from those strongholds because lies and deceit imprison us. The loins encircled by the girdle are the central point of the physical system. It's our seat of power in the Scripture. It's where our power comes from. If you were struck in the loins, it was a fatal blow. Your ability to reproduce has to do with your loins. We're not going to reproduce right things unless we have the truth guarding our loins. We're not going to reproduce truth unless the truth is guarding our loins. Girded loins are a sign of readiness for service or endeavor. When you're girded with truth, you are ready to fight the battle of the lies of the enemy and the deception of this world. And very important, we are able to overcome the confusion and the depression that the enemy has strongholds in this city. Confusion and depression are everywhere. But the truth overcomes every single time. You don't need to listen to what the devil tells you you are. You need to open the Bible and find out what you are. Jesus is the one who tells us who we are. Even if, it's, even if He says you're this, but you need to change to this. I want to hear that. It's absolutely crucial. We're truthful with God. We're truthful with ourselves, And we're truthful with others. We can't have a, a life we want to have if we lie to ourselves. If we lie to others, there's no way we can overcome it. And I see people with situations in their life and, and they, they keep on making the same mistakes, but to them, it's not a problem. To them, it's someone else's fault. To them, they're not honest about it. So I shake my head and I wring my hands, but there's nothing I can do because they're not honest. We're never going to overcome unless we're honest and we're truthful. And again, as the body of Christ, we need to pe- receive people's honesty with grace and humility and great care we need to be a trusted source David's life was horrible until he repented of his sin his heart was melting inside of him he said his bones ached because he was living a lie but as soon as he repented God began to restore his life The breastplate of righteousness is something we can't leave home without. The breastplate was made of metal plates and it covered the upper body, the front and the back. Again, Satan is the accuser and he cannot accuse a believer. 
who is wearing the righteousness of God, who is living a godly life by the power of the Spirit. Because when we take on the righteousness of God and He calls us unrighteous, we say, that's who I used to be. Do you see the breastplate or are you blind? Satan, uh, are you recognizing this thing that I got on my upper body? This is called the righteousness of God. You're not looking at someone who's bare. You're not looking at someone who doesn't have this. I have this on. I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm not good by myself, but because He is good and because I have put on His righteousness, you have nothing to accuse me of. You only have something I was in the past to talk to me about. So until you have some current, buzz off. The life we live either fortifies us against Satan's attacks or it makes it easier for him to defeat us. It makes it easier for him to accuse us because then we know what he's saying is not a lie, but it's actually the way we're living. Ephesians 4.24, again, put on the new man, which is created, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The new man that, that the Lord makes us to be is created in righteousness and true holiness. But we've got to put on the new man. We've got to choose to walk according to the new man and not the old man. Philippians 1, 10 through 11, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. Righteousness protects our heart from the things of this world. It protects us from desiring the things that we should not be partaking in. The Lord puts new desires in us when we put on His breastplate of righteousness. He starts to change the things we desire. He starts to put new desires within us so we actually want to do what's right. It's not something we're doing because somebody tells us we have to do it. And we can do it when no one else is around because it's not about doing it for somebody else. It's doing it because God has given me a desire to do it. No matter who is watching. And some of us need to be patient with other brothers and sisters in the Lord that are newer in the body of Christ. We need to be patient to allow them to wear the breastplate of righteousness, to allow them to learn what is pleasing to God, to allow them to change little by little instead of expecting them to change overnight. But at the same time, we have to embrace righteousness. Don't be afraid just because everybody else doesn't look just like you. But you have shortcomings too. You need to be more focused on if you're wearing your breastplate and then worry about someone else. Protect your heart. Ask the Lord for new desires. Get up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to love what you love today. I want to hate what you hate today. Help me to want what you want. And God will respond to that type of prayer. And He'll move the sandals of the gospel. The Roman soldiers' leather sandals were bound around the ankle and they were studded with things called hobnails. So they were like stakes, like cleats, if you will, but they were nails on the bottom so that you would not slip in battle, so that you could stand firm as the enemy was trying to push against you. You wouldn't lose your footing or your foothold, but you would have something that would stick in the ground and you would stand in your place. If we are going to secure our relationship with God, we need to be standing in the gospel. We need to be firmly rooted and grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the gospel of peace when we hear it only, but it's the gospel of peace when we obey it. It's when we obey the gospel that we get our nails on the bottom of our feet that we are not going to be moved. Therefore, Romans 5.1 says, being justified by faith, we have peace through God. Peace with God, rather, through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Colossians 1.20 Having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. By Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. It's God's desire to reconcile things through the blood of His cross. 1 Corinthians 15.1-4 Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you that the gospel by which also you are saved. Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Then Peter said unto them, This is our response. That's knowing the gospel. Knowing the gospel is knowing that Jesus Christ lived, He died, He was buried, and He rose again. That's knowing the gospel. But knowing the gospel only will not save you. You have to respond to the gospel. You have to obey the gospel in order to put the shoes on your feet. You can't just know the shoes are in the closet. You got to take them out of the closet and you got to put them on. You walk out of the house barefoot. It's not going to help you that the shoes are in the closet and you know they're there. What's going to help you is if you put them on your feet before you go out the door. So we have to obey. And Peter said unto them, this is how you respond to what you have seen in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're asking him, what can we do to be saved? Peter said, this is what you do. You repent. You get baptized. Not just some of you. Not to join a church. Not so that you you can show everybody you're a Christian. But every single one of you, if you're going to respond to the gospel... Every one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It's not an option. It's a commandment. And I'm not going to stake my eternity based on someone else's opinion. I'm going to go by what the Bible says. If someone else wants to be baptized another way or say God's grace is is so good and He's so loving, He doesn't care if I'm baptized or not, go ahead and stake your eternity on it. But I'm going to go by what the Bible says. I'm going to be baptized in Jesus' name. And that's not to be unloving or unkind to anybody else. I'm not here to judge everybody else. I'm here to obey the Word of God. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because it's His Spirit is the whole reason He came and died so He could live inside of us. So He can live inside of us. So when we put on the gospel, we take it with us. And we use it to keep our footing as this world just continues to to wobble back and forth in everybody's opinion and everybody's ideas. and, And it's so confusing and everything is going sideways. We have some shoes that will keep us firmly grounded no matter what happens. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel helps us to tread on our enemy, to tread on serpents. And it reminds us as there are shoes everywhere that our feet go, we should be ready and prepared to share the gospel. Not just for me. I'm not just worried about my footing, even though I need to be aware of it. I need to also understand that others need this precious gospel. Everywhere that I go, I'm displaying the gospel of Jesus Christ through my words, through my deeds, my attitude, and my spirit. The shield of faith. Trying to move as quickly as I can. Almost done here. The shield of faith. You can pray more about these things, like I said, as as the coming days come. We don't want to just hear a word today and walk out the doors and then forget all about this message. Please, please. It's very important, not to just this church, but to your salvation, that you heed these words today. Not because I'm saying them, but because of the truth that is in them. The shield was a large shield. It was usually four feet by two feet, made of wood and covered with tough leather. It protected the soldier from burning arrows, the fiery darts of the enemy. The edges of the shields were constructed so that a line of shoulders or soldiers rather could interlock these shields and march straight into the teeth of the enemy like a solid wall so that all their shields were connected and it wasn't just the force of one of them but it was the force of all of them combined and they just marched forward like one fortified wall in the faith that Jesus Christ had given them 
If your faith is weak, stand beside someone who's feeling stronger. If you're having a hard time, find a brother or sister who's feeling good. Because one of the things that's awesome about the Lord is He doesn't let us all fail at once. I don't know if it's because we need to be humble that He allows some of us to pin on each other sometimes, but I know it is sometimes when I'm struggling, my wife's strong. And when she's struggling, I'm strong. Thank God we're usually not both depressed at the same time. Because that would be bad. (laughs) But God usually makes it to where at least one of us is optimistic. At least one of us has some faith that everything's going to work out. And so we push together. And we walk together. And we do it together because we cannot lose our faith in God. Fear should not be the main motivator in my decisions. Where God speaks to me. And all of a sudden I filter that word through fear. I don't have time to really explain that in detail today. But don't filter your thoughts through fear. Filter your thoughts through faith. The helmet of salvation is so important. Speaking of thoughts. The helmet of salvation, it guards our minds because most often our salvation, the battle of our salvation is won or lost between our own ears. It's a small space between ears that causes us to win or to lose. That's why Romans 12, 2 tells us, be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world, it's pressing in on you from every angle in billboards and check stand magazine articles and social media and all these other things that are constantly pushing against your mind, trying to press you into its mold. Don't be conformed to it. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need our minds to be renewed every day because even if we're trying to fight it, we can't fight all of it. And so little bits get involved with our thinking. And little parts get in there and we start to think about things in a different way and we shouldn't be thinking that way, but thank God we can have our minds renewed every single day that we may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I want the mind of Christ. Romans 15.6 That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God okay as the body of Christ we should have one mind and one mouth and the only way that's going to be is if it's the spirit that gives us that one mind and that one mouth because then we will glorify the father of our Lord Jesus Christ in 2 Timothy 1 7 for God hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind put on your helmet Philippians 4, 4-8, through 8, again I put up here because it's so important. I'm going to read quickly again, but always be full of joy in the Lord. This is our thought life. This is an a idealistic, biblical standard for your thoughts. Again, it doesn't mean you're always going to do it. I don't pretend to always live this way, but this is our standard. This is what we strive for. This is what we repent and turn towards. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Always, always, always be full of joy in the Lord. And in case you missed it, I'm going to say it again, he said. Rejoice. Not just when everything's good, but always. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Be kind to others. Be considerate of others. Be loving to others. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. If that was true 2,000 years ago, how much more true is it now? Don't worry about anything. Oh, man. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So how do I not worry about it? I pray about it. I don't just ignore it. I don't act like it doesn't exist. I don't bury my head in the sand. I give it to God. I don't have to run from it. I don't have to act like it's not happening. Plug my ears and say, la, 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 la. 
Get in a fetal position and say, find a happy place. But I give it to God. I tell Him what I need. And I don't just stop by telling Him what I need. I begin to thank Him for all He's done. Then when you do that, you'll experience God's peace. We need the peace of God, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you lived in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. What's honorable. What's right. What's pure. What's lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about these things. If something is in your life that is causing you to think differently, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. It's not worth it. The sword of the Spirit. The sword is the only offensive weapon provided in Christian's armor. But it's plenty big enough to win the battle. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There is nothing in our world that's more powerful than the word of God. And the word of God isn't constructed to destroy. The word of God is constructed to get deep within us to do surgery that repairs. It's not meant to destroy. It's meant to repair And we're only destroyed if we ignore it. If we go against it. We choose our destruction. The Bible isn't there to kill us. It's there to warn us how to be saved. God didn't give us the Bible to condemn us. He gave us the Bible so we could be saved. We get it wrong. And we listen to the enemy. And we believe his lies. If we think the word of God is there to hurt us. It's there to save us. And Paul uses the word rhema instead of logos here. There are two different words used for the word of God in the New Testament. Rhema, which it means a specific word of God. At a specific time to lead you against the specific battle that Satan is bringing to your life. And if you've been living for God for a while, you know what it's like when you're sitting there fighting a battle and all of a sudden a scripture comes to your mind that gives you peace. A scripture comes to your mind that that dispels the lie of the enemy. That's why we need to be building up the word of God into our hearts so that God can quicken his word in us when we are facing a struggle against the enemy. His word will come alive and it'll rise up within us and it will cut off the enemy's lies. Praying always. Praying always. Always. Prayer is the energy that we take into battle. We wonder why we have no desire to fight sometimes. We wonder why we are just laying there giving in to the battle. But it's because we're probably not praying enough. And not just praying by ourselves because, again, God does this so we depend on each other. I can't just pray by myself and have that be enough. I've got to pray with my brothers and my sisters. I've got to every once in a while say, I need someone to pray with me right now. I need us to go to a place and find a place of prayer because I have no energy left. I need to be renewed. So please pray with me. And many times as Christians, we use the word pray. We say, I'll pray for you. But many times we don't do it. It's a nice, comforting thing to say. I'll pray for you about that. And we never utter one word in prayer. One way to not do that is when you say, I'm going to pray for you, immediately pray for it. Immediately go to God and pray about it. And praying always doesn't mean always saying prayers. Again, we... If we're out there in public or we're working a job when customer service, we can't be praying the whole time with words. 
We've got to acknowledge the person on the other end of the counter or the other end of the phone or else we're going to quickly lose our job. But it means to always stay in communication with God, to have my spirit and my heart and my mind open to Him so that as I'm helping that person across the counter, God might speak to me and say, ask the person about this or speak this encouraging word to that person right now. And He can use you When we are open in our communication with God, we are ready for the surprise attacks of the enemy because God can tell us ahead of time. And don't just focus on yourself again. Part of the area of maturity, God is wanting us to grow and I'm almost done. I know I've went a little longer than normal and I wouldn't do that. I value your time too much, but this to me is a crucial, crucial, crucial thing in our church. We can't just focus on ourselves and and just so much of the American mentality is I will go to church and I'll worship and I'll pray until I feel good and then I'm done. I'll get up in the morning, I'll do my devotions and I'll do it until I feel good and then I'm done. If I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time, I'll go pray until I feel better, then I'm done. But we're not just supposed to focus on ourselves. There are people all around us that the little needs that we have that feel so overwhelming and, and, and I'm not trying to patronize anybody but our worst battles with Jesus Christ are better than someone who's in the world without Jesus. So we have the ability to have hope in Christ. Let's just pray for a minute. God is wanting to give us a heart for the lost that we've never had before God is wanting our Christianity to be more than just living for him until we feel saved just praying until we feel saved just praying until I feel like okay my situation is going to be okay so now I can go do something else with my time but he's wanting for us as a church to get to the point where we don't stop when we feel better that's good Pray till you get prayed through. That's awesome. That's great. That's necessary. We can't heal someone else till we're healed. But don't stop there every time. Keep on pushing. Keep on praying. And understand what you just came through might be so that you can pray for someone else with understanding. So when you feel better and you're not depressed anymore, make sure you pray for someone else who might be depressed. Because it's not all about us. Paul said it'd be better if I was in heaven right now. But I'm here for your sake. The reason why God doesn't just save us and take us straight to heaven is because we have work to do. There's a personal benefit even in praying for others because again, as Americans, what's in it for me is the first thing on our mind. So here you go. Job 42.10 The Lord turned the captivity of Job. When? When he prayed for his friends. Not even when he prayed for himself, but when he prayed for his friends. When Job got out of his pity party and started praying for his friends. And those friends weren't the best friends in the world. Those friends were falsely accusing him. They were misunderstanding what he was going through. They thought, man, what have you done to displease God to deserve all this? Man, Job, you must have done some horrible things. God wouldn't do this to you. They were way off. But his captivity turned when he began to pray for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before gave Job twice as much again it is more blessed to give than to receive and when we learn to live by the principle of giving this church will explode with growth because each and every one of us will be doing the father's business every day 
And it won't be because we feel like somebody's going to be upset at us if we don't. It won't be because someone's going to be looking over our shoulder and, and, and crossing off what we're doing and, and checking things and making sure we're living right. And, and we're not just doing it so we feel like we're not going to go to hell, but we do it because somebody needs to be saved. Because this world is more than just about Dallas. The world existed before Dallas for a long time. And if God tarries, it will last after me. It's not all about me. But it's all about Him. And I find when I bless others and I pray for others and I focus on ministering to others, my life is far better than it would ever be by just focusing on myself. I want to pray always, but not just for me, for others. And I'm, again, I'm not, I don't want guilt to be the motive in this church. That's why I'm not a police officer. I'm a pastor. And let me just say that as I'm about ready to close today. Just because I'm not yelling down people's throats to do something doesn't mean I approve of their lifestyle. I'm not wearing a badge today I want to as God leads me bring accountability into people's lives in a loving and a compassionate way but just because I'm not sitting there yelling at people or shaming them into doing things doesn't mean everything they're doing I feel like is in God's will I want them to do it because they love Jesus Christ I want them to be faithful to the house of God because they love Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Again, if you're feeling today condemnation right now, it's not from God. You can put practice about what we're talking about right now. You can just resist that. It's not of God. God is here, and if He is dealing with you, He's saying, come closer. I love you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to save other people's lives through you. Surrender to me. Come to me. If you're feeling you're not worth it, you're not measuring up, you're not good enough, you'll never amount to anything, that's not conviction from God. That's a lie of the enemy. Resist it. Ephesians 6.10 tells us God is strong. And He wants you strong. Now this is the message version, so it's not going to be word for word what you're used to. So take everything the Master has set out for you. Why don't you just go ahead and stand so you'll be encouraged. We're almost done. God is strong and He wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you. Again, take all the armor. There are well-made weapons of the best materials. You can't improve upon the armor of God. There's nothing better than the armor of God. There's nothing stronger. There's nothing that feels better to wear. And then put them to use. So you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. When you put on the armor of God and you put it to use, you will be able to stand against everything. Everything. You will not fall. You will not backslide. You will not walk away. You will stand strong. Because you have the armor of the Lord. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple hours. This is why I'm taking time today. Because this battle is for keeps. It's life or death. And it's not just life or death in this life. It's life or death for eternity. We're not talking about some little battle some little war for a little bit of land.
We're talking about eternal life. That's why it's worth everything. That's why we want to fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. That's why we want to be prepared because we're up against far more than we can handle on our own. We need to take all the help we can get. We need every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, we'll still be on our feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. They're more than just somebody's idea. They're not just philosophy and religion. They are truth. Learn how to apply them. That implies that there's a progress. There's a learning process. Don't be discouraged if you don't know how to use it. Just keep on working it. Keep on getting up, putting it on, say, Lord, teach me. Teach my hands to war today. Teach me to fight the good fight today. Teach me how to think today. Teach my heart what I should desire today. Teach me, oh Lord. Lead me and guide me. I don't want to be a victim of this world. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. There's nothing like it. There's nothing that can replace it. There's nothing to compare to it. Don't exchange it for anything else. God's word is an indispensable weapon. And in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and pray long. Again, we get passionate around here sometimes and people don't understand it. But if you care about something, you're going to lift up your voice every once in a while. If you care about something, you're going to shed some tears. Jesus was in such anguish in the garden that he had blood mingled with his sweat pouring out of his back because he was praying so hard. When's the last time you shed a tear for the gospel? When's the last time we shed a tear for something besides ourselves? I'm not trying to be mean today. I'm trying to wake us up. I'm trying to get us to see God has so much more. God has so much more. And He's chosen you to be a part of His eternal fight. He's chosen you. He wants you. I am determined 